Welcome to the Retail Insider video series. I'm your host, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here today with a special guest, Robert Hayes. He's the CEO of jewelry brand Pilgrim. You're the CEO of the North American division. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Now, Robert, tell us a little bit about uh, Pilgrim. Yeah, so basically Pilgrim is a Danish brand that was established over 40 years ago. Um, and uh, Pilgrim is synonymous with recycling. So over 60% of all of our products are made from recycled materials. And we're actually working towards getting over 100% of our products to be sustainable and recyclable. Uh, we've also been working with all of our suppliers in terms of, um, you know, the back end of, of how to be, uh, you know, more green and more circular. Uh, we're also starting a recycling program. Um, and one of the great things about Pilgrim, too, is that all of our jewelry is hypoallergenic. So it's perfect for all types of, of uh, people who might normally have sensitivities uh, to different jewelries. And uh, the price point is pretty good, too. I was having a look on the website and it seems pretty affordable. Exactly. So one of the, you know, that Scandinavian kind of essence of uh, really trying to provide kind of, you know, fair pricing uh, for products. So it's something that we work really hard to do. Um, and to bring real value to customers um, and also as well uh, to our wholesale partners as, as well. So it's, it's something that we work really hard on. And there's, there's necklaces and earrings and rings and, and what other categories are there uh, for Pilgrim? So we also do sunglasses. Um, so we have a polarized UV 400 sunglasses and they're also made out of uh, water bottles that are collected from the ocean. Um, and it's about 1.2 water bottles per sunglasses. Um, so people really like that. And, um, one of the things that I love too, is that if by accident a wave hits and they're gone, it's kind of like returning it back to where the cycle started again. Right. And it wasn't that expensive. So you're not afraid to, you know, kind of bust the bank, uh, on your sunglasses. Now, uh, you've got some retail stores, um, you started in uh, the province of Quebec. Uh, how is that going so far? It's going really well, actually. We've had an amazing response. Um, I know the malls are not too open in terms of uh, sharing sales per square foot, but on the odd time you get, you know, the, the, the mall managers in a good mood, they'll share those numbers. And uh, we can see that, you know, we're ranking pretty well within the malls and we're also bringing in like a different type of demographic. So some of the larger mall companies, you know, they've got these programs where they can really analyze who's coming into their centers and they can see from that data that, the Pilgrim customer is maybe somebody who wasn't traditionally coming into the center to buy their jewelry, and now they are. So for them, they're really happy, and it's kind of adding to the basket size, and it's actually growing uh, the percentage or the commodities within the mall's rankings. So for them, they're really happy. So traditional kind of, you know, uh, bridge jewelry, which would be, you know, Pandora or Swarovski, are not seeing necessarily a drop in their business. And so for the malls, they're really excited about that because it's almost like it's something new that's coming into the mall for them. Um, and that's why I think for us so far, we haven't had very much competition in that segment. Um, and, uh, and we seem to be kind of uh, really clearing kind of our own path uh, within the mall segment uh, at this time. And which malls are you in so far um, in Quebec? And I think you've got one in Ontario and soon too. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we started off, our first was Place Montreal Trust. Um, then we opened uh, Quartier d'Estrante. Uh, then we opened uh, CF Carrefour Laval. Um, then we did Galerie de la Capitale. And then we did uh, CF Rideau Centre. 
Excellent. Now you've got one coming up here at the CF Toronto Eaton Centre, which is the, was, at least before the pandemic, the busiest mall, uh, certainly in North America, maybe even the world. Yes. So we're so excited about that. And, uh, you know, we couldn't have done it originally without, you know, Sidvi Pjold from Cadillac Fairview. Uh, you know, she really took kind of that risk uh, with us and, and coming to the office when we were just a wholesale brand with Chanel, her colleague, and, and really seeing who we were and and analyzing that and then uh, kind of putting us on the path towards uh, retail. So uh, we've been very fortunate uh, to have that partnership with Cadillac Fairview and also the fact that they really look at young emerging you know, brands and companies. Because even though we're from Denmark, you know, I bought the distribution rights for Canada. Um, and so, uh, you know, seeing kind of young talent and kind of the team that we've built around, Cadillac Fairview kind of took the plunge with us and, and we've been very fortunate. Excellent. Is there now that store is going to be a little bit different? There's going to be, I think, ear piercing and a few, or piercing generally, and a few other things. Exactly. Yeah. So in our other stores, we've been kind of testing, uh, you know, the ear piercing concept, and then for this location, we've decided to go, you know, substantially larger and really provide a piercing studio. Uh, one of the things we do is the needle thread piercing. So instead of doing the gun piercing, um, so it actually is a less painful. Um, it's a cleaner uh, piercing. And uh, it heals faster and there's less likelihoods of uh, infection. Um, so it's a more kind of elevated experience. And then also through our research, we found out that there's no real, um, you know, kind of government agencies or real kind of training. It's usually, you know, person A teaches person B and then it's like, good luck, you know, with the gun. And then for us, we actually, you know, do almost a two week intensive training course uh, we actually work with a company from France because in France, it's actually very like um, 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 regulated in terms of how piercings are done. Um, so we're actually able to uh, utilize kind of those standards and, and bring those over here uh, to Canada and uh, and try to really give something completely different than your traditional kind of, you know, either going to a tattoo parlor or, you know, going to kind of a small kiosk and getting ears pierced. Great. When's when's the um, are you having an opening party or when's the opening date roughly for that new Toronto store? So, so we're planning on opening on Thursday, uh, June uh, 29th at around 3 p.m. Um, and we're planning to host a big party uh, with DJ. We also looking to do uh, ear piercing for free uh, as well as doing nails, because one of the things that we found is what people whenever they put on rings, sometimes they don't want to show off their fingers because their nails are not necessarily done. So I think, you know, to get the buzz and kind of that social media element of it, we'll have somebody being able to do people's nails. So then when then they try on our rings, um, they'll be really comfortable to kind of show them off on social media. And one other thing that's really cool about our rings, just as kind of a side file, um, is that all of our rings are adjustable. So, you know, if you have a glass of wine and then all of a sudden, you know, your fingers swell up a little bit, you can actually uh, readjust them. Um, and then also what we love too, and we hear back from our clients too, is those clients who, you know, are, are recently pregnant, all of a sudden, you know, their fingers change a little bit during pregnancy, they can readjust their rings. Um, and so they love that so that there's so much versatility within their jewelry and they don't have to go up or down a size. They can keep the piece they have. That's amazing. I didn't know you could do that with rings. I didn't realize fingers were swelling as well, but I don't wear jewelry. <laughs> not, not since the divorce. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation but yeah. uh, how did you get involved you mentioned that you you bought the rights um did you have a jewelry background before or, or where did you come from in terms of the business world 
Yeah, so I was working for a brand called Bestseller, um, and I was one of the first employees of that company in Canada, and I was working for Manon and uh, Michael Muirhead, and uh, basically was responsible for their retail expansion in the beginning. And so I was, uh, with the success of the retail in the beginning, I was offered an international role in Denmark. And then while I was living in Denmark, uh, my cousin was working for Doctors Without Borders, and so she came to visit me. And so while she was visiting me, she was like, oh, we've got to stop at this cool store called Pilgrim because they do this Doctors of the Borders collection. And all my colleagues would like to get, um, you know, some necklaces and she wanted to bring them back as gifts. So that's kind of how I discovered the brand. And then while visiting multiple shops, because unfortunately not each shop, you know, had enough quantities for what she needed. I was really able to see kind of the fact that, you know, the Pilgrim customer is coming all different souls. And, and there's no real age. And so I thought, wow, this is so cool that somebody like in their 60s can wear Pilgrim. But then you also had customers that were 12, 13, 15, 16 wearing Pilgrim. And so it was so cool in that regards. And, and I remember when we started Jack and Jones and Veramota in the beginning, that was one of the strengths of the brand is that it had no age and that everybody could kind of wear it in, in their own way. And so by doing a little bit of research, I found out uh, that the brand was not carried in Canada. And, um, and then Anna Meta was kind of, you know, who's the founder of the company and, and who still to this day designs all of the jewelry um, and is very much involved, wasn't sure because I was a really young guy. And she was like, oh, I'm not sure and all this. So I asked her, I said, can I borrow some jewelry rolls? And she said, okay. And so I borrowed the rolls, jumped on the plane, headed to Canada, met with Simon's and showed them the collection and they were just like wow this is so cool and so neat and so they give me kind of a, a a first order so then i went back to denmark placed the order and and kind of from there it was decided that we would step forward and and and, and move forward and today you know we have 56 employees working uh, here in canada and um, and are in the process currently of hiring many more so uh, we've been very fortunate and very lucky to you know have built such a kind of a loyal following now, uh, LeBaton Simons was a, a wholesale uh, partner or a stock list, whatever you want to call it. Um, tell me about the wholesale business now, because you've developed that in Canada as well. Exactly. Yeah. So we right now, uh, wholesale represents about 52% of our business. Uh, we have well over 300 active customers, which represent 556 doors across the country. Um, and uh, it's an, a business that's really expanding and, and doing very well for us. And our retail strategy is to balance that. Um, you know, I think in the past, uh, many companies were very quick to expand very quickly, and they didn't understand the power of that local partner who understands their market. So I think where we plan to open our stores, and you know, I spoke about this on the article with, uh, you know, the 30 locations, it's really in areas where there are not a lot of wholesale partners. And so we're, I want to be very strategic in terms of where I open not to um, you know, mitigate or take away from the business that we are building in wholesale and the structure that we're doing, but at the same time too, in those malls, be able to give the service and, and kind of the experience that someone might not be able to get online um, and really a big connection with the brand. So it's kind of finding that balance. Um, and that's something that you know, I would like to do that maybe I wasn't able to accomplish you know, in my past career and my past job. Um, and, and so for me, it's, uh, you know, very important to have that wholesale element and that, and they are the ones who push the brand forward because when you have 300 plus partners telling you what's good, what's not good, 
it makes you have the best collection possible and a real reading of the Canadian market from coast to coast. That's very interesting. I like that uh, discussion in terms of angle. Now, um, of course, you mentioned we mentioned that you're going to be opening a CF Toronto Eaton Centre in Toronto. Uh, um, in terms of, say, the long-term plans over the next five years, uh, can you share anything about, uh, say, 30 stores, um, if you're looking at any markets? So would it be a coast-to-coast -coast from a Vancouver to Nova Scotia type of uh, movement? Or tell me a bit about what you might have planned there. Absolutely. So I think what I want to do is make sure that I do this very strategically. And I want to enter the markets kind of slow and steady. So I know a lot of brands have a tendency to open like, you know, a little bit all across across the country. I want to work my way across the country where we properly understand the market before we enter it. And then when we do enter it with marketing, have the right uh, availability for the customers in terms of where they can find the product. So I think for, for the next two years, our plan is really, you know, uh, GTA and then moving kind of the rest of Ontario. And then we're going to probably catapult ourselves all the way to British Columbia. And then from British Columbia, we'll work our way, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And then probably last would be the Maritimes because it's actually one of our strongest wholesale markets. Um, I don't, uh, you know, necessarily, I, I, I really good partners here. And, and, and I also uh, see that there's a little bit of opportunity within the shopping centers. You know, they haven't quite modernized like they have, um, you know, in the rest of Canada. Um, and I feel that that independent customer is so strong in the Maritimes that, that I think that that would probably be one of the last places that we would open uh, shops. Would you say shopping centers? Uh, well, obviously, that's the primary expansion. Do you ever see any uh, street front locations for Pilgrim in Canada? I'm not sure, because I think that that's a, a space where our wholesale partners, you know, really cover well. Uh, and I know when we have customers that can do, you know, a full shop and shop, of, you know, 600 square feet of Pilgrim. It's the same exposure um, that they would get if we were to do the same kind of thing, but they have that local buyer, that local connection uh, with someone who really understands that market. And, and they often can sell much more than we could at you know, a corporate level. Um, so uh, it's leveraging their know-how and, and, and also us sharing our market know-how and our merchandising standards and then uh, leveraging their uh, local experience. Now, you've got the rights for North America. Um, is there an American expansion at play for Pilgrim? Uh, any plans in the next little while? Absolutely. Uh, but step number one is to properly do it in Canada. And then from, because people don't realize how, yes, we are neighbors. Yes, we are brothers and sisters with the United States. But we really are two unique markets. And I had the opportunity in my old company to really learn that and and uh, I really want us to solidify the Canadian market before entering into the United States market. Um, I feel like also sometimes in the U.S. market, it's a, they see, you know, European and Canadian brands and it's not take advantage of. But, you know, there's always that big learning curve that has to be done. And sometimes you don't necessarily get, you know, the fair end of the stick. And I feel the same way for us. You know, I have friends, you know, who are Americans who are opening here. And, some, and sometimes I look at their lease, you know, rates and my lease rates and they're not the same. So sometimes there's preferential things that are given to Canadian brands and vice versa. Um, so I just want to make sure that we, when we go in, we do it properly um, and that we have all of our research done and, the, and that we really are uh, properly segmented. Now in wholesale, we have about 38 customers currently right now in the United States. And now that COVID is finished, you know, when we go to the Toronto gift fair, we tend to meet more and more American customers who are now returning back to the fairs 
and having opportunities to open them. So I think for the time being, we'll probably start slowly uh, with wholesale when we meet those customers at the different trade shows. Excellent. Now, um, how is uh, how are things online in terms of uh, web sales and whatnot? So our web sales are constantly growing. Um, I just feel that the challenge with web, and I know this from a lot of people, is that it's very difficult to turn a profit online. You know, it's always like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, and you're always pumping a lot of money into the online versus, you know, with the stores, I'm able to turn a decent profit. And I feel like landlords today understand that it's a win-win where, you know, everybody eats, everybody's comfortable. And I think that there probably is going to be a reckoning, you know, online because there's a lot of kind of um, unfair practices that are happening online. It's kind of a bit the Wild West, as we know. And so even, you know, with conversations with the BDC, they struggle to find retailers that actually turn a decent profit with the online business. Um, and as soon as you hit a new level online, all of a sudden you have to invest significantly more amounts of money and salaries. And the recipe seems to change every month. So, you know, if you found the right recipe for a certain while, then you have to pivot and then flip and then change. And, um, and it always seems that, you know, certain kind of big media companies and social media companies seem to constantly make the money. Uh, but they don't constantly share how they're pivoting and changing, uh, you know, the 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 the, the, the different algorithms. Um, so it, it's a challenge, you know. Uh, but it's somewhere you have to be and you have to participate and you have to work on. But even huge brands, you know, that I, you know, my old company, you know, uh, uh, the old company, you know, owned port, uh, the old my old boss, you know, used to own portions of Zalando and and Azos. You know, they too also struggle. Uh, to make money even on the on the large scale. So uh, it, it's definitely something where, um, you know, I don't think enough business owners are honest about the challenges that they're having online. And I think that, you know, bankers and different people are starting to understand that when they look at P&Ls and realize like, wow, you spend that much money to earn just that little amount. Um, and you almost have to, you know, give your blood and your firstborn baby uh, to kind of make it happen. It's a good it's a good endorsement for brick and mortar retail, though. Uh, it's a fascinating conversation around uh, online versus uh, physical store. Absolutely, and even during the pandemic, you know, uh, even though we're still seeing crazy growth online, we still saw significant growth uh, in, in in brick and mortar. I think if you offer an experience, if you're actually unique and you listen to your customers, people want to come and shop. You know, the average customer at Pilgrim shops every four months. And we see, you know, the return rate is significant. And so if you can actually properly connect and bring back that level of service and not have, you know, the, the, the you know, the salesperson sitting on her phone behind a cash desk and not really passionately caring about the process, um, then people won't come back. But if you actually do something that's unique and different and you properly connect with the customer, they will come back and they will be loyal. And I feel like today people are significantly more loyal than they were even five years ago. And, and, and our wholesale customers see that as well. You know, we can look at data um, and especially, you know, nowadays with loyalty programs, you can really dive into the data. And we're noticing that kind of across the board that, that loyalty, uh, especially for us, maybe with jewelry is uh, becoming uh, something that we didn't expect or didn't see, you know, pre-pandemic. Um, so, so that's an interesting trend. This has been a fascinating conversation. I've got Robert Hayes. He's the CEO of the North American division of Danish jewelry brand Pilgrim. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Robert.
Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure and uh, I'm a really big fan. I'm looking forward to the store opening at CF Toronto Eaton Centre. I'll be there. And I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the founder of Retail Insider. I'm also the host of the Retail Insider interview series and publisher of Retail Insider Media Limited. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here today. Whether or not you're doing this on video or whether or not you're on here through our podcast channel, take care and bye for now.